Hi, my name is Tom Welling. I played Clark Kent on Smallville, and you are listening to Always Hold On to Smallville. Welcome to Always On to Smallville. In this podcast, we talk about each and every episode of the Young Superman show. Then we have from 2001 to 2011 on the WB and the CW. I'm your host, Zach Moore, and this week I'm joined by Meredith Borders from Fangoria. What's up, Meredith? Hey, Zach. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm really happy to be back on the podcast. Yeah, welcome back. And uh, love your no flights, no tights t-shirt. <sighs> Thank you. Yes, this is uh, for those of you who are listening, a t-shirt that Tom Welling designed for for charity a few years ago, and it's just his face pushing up a, a pair of glasses and it says no flights, no tights, and I, I had to have it. So. No, I, I have I have uh, some of those myself as, as well as a sweatshirt. <laughs> so I, I, I got a whole lot of those and you got to love how he's got no flights, no tights and glasses. Just thanks. Tom. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All the things. <laughs> but hey, it was for a good cause. It was for St. Jude's. Uh, yeah, so it was exactly. a real good charity, and uh, they sold a lot of shirts and did a lot of good with those. So uh, always cool to see those two things kind of intersect with your your favorite media doing a good cause. <laughs> so we're here to talk about a rather infamous episode of Smallville, aren't we, Meredith? We are. It is not the episode infamous, however. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Very good point. Yeah, that's in a couple episodes. So, okay, truth be told, I have never seen... Street Fighter, The Legend of Chung Lee. Oh my God. Okay. That's a whole other podcast, but that movie is <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I love that movie, actually. <laughs> I, I, I'm well aware of it, of course. Uh, that's why Kristen Kirk was not in the last few episodes of season seven. Uh, Street Fighter. I mean, like, uh, people of our age know all about that. And this is not the Street Fighter. Pro- this is the lesser known of the theatrical live action Street Fighter movies. <laughs> this is not the one <laughs> yes. everyone probably thinks of. No, it's Damian not. Damien <laughs> Dark himself, Neil McDonough is the bad guy in, in this and uh, in the Christian Kirk one. Um, now, I have gone probably many years on this podcast poking fun at this episode we're going to talk about, calling it like, you know, the, the rise of Lana or whatever. <laughs> Do, is Okay, you've seen, you've seen the movie. And, you know, at some point on this podcast... We will talk about that movie because, you know, it's a major, major cast versus Marvel, the major motion picture. There's a place for us to talk about those one day. But is this anything like that? Have I been doing this episode a disservice or is um, I, I there's definitely uh, an influence here, especially in her hair. Uh, the the haircut, I think, was by necessity uh, because of Legend of Chun-Li. And, um, you know, it's it's the it's the wire foo. It's the but um, yeah, there's there's a little bit more of like the sort of season four Shanghai Lana that's in um, uh, the Chun-Li. That's where I really saw it because there's a ton of wire work in in the movie and there's not so much in this episode. And there's a lot of season four, like loved the wire work. Oh yeah, big time. Especially you think about when she's in the, like the the temple. Oh (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. This this is all very, very, very much Chun-Li. Like you could tell that they watched that episode and they were like, okay, we have to make this movie. (laughs) 
Fair enough. So, so, so this might not be the movie plot of an episode I've always been joking about all these years. Is what you're telling me? <laughs> no, you have to watch the movie. I'm like dying for you to see it. I, I'm okay. so curious what you'll think about it. All right, fair, fair enough. So, so, uh, the, despite this being the the Legend of Lana <laughs> episode, <laughs> of some, it might not quite be uh, the Legend of Chung Lee. But uh, hey, we're here in season eight, and back in the day. What were you thinking when you go into season eight? When Lex is gone, Lionel's gone, Lana's gone. Obviously, Lana's back now. You know, they keep teasing Lex is coming back. I don't know if he's coming back. Well, well I'll have some fun. <laughs> I have some comments about that as we go. But what are you thinking back then? You're watching Smallville. It's kind of a different show. And now we're kind of at this point in the season. It's kind of trying to become the show it was, even though we were on, we were on a great path. I think I and now we're kind of we've gone this fork in a row and they're they're going backwards. And and oh, obviously Zach, I'm so glad that's you... so much of this to talk about. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because that's exactly how I felt about it. Like I remember the, you know, the the premiere of season eight watching it live and just being so excited because it had the sort of new energy that felt I don't know, it just felt really exciting. It felt you could tell there were new showrunners. Uh, it was people who had like new stories to tell and a, a new perspective. It was you know, putting new characters to the forefront. Like, I think this is the season that Lois really gets a chance to shine for for a big chunk of it. And in the premiere, you really see that. Like, she's she's more the Lois Lane that we all know from the comics in this Absolutely. premiere is where it, it, where it really comes out. And so I love the beginning of season eight so much. It was um, a time that I've kind of re- Refell in love with Smallville because season seven, I'd started to drag a little bit on it. I was still going to watch it like every week, no matter what. But uh, but season eight, it, it felt a little bit less like a chore and more like, oh, my God, appointment television again, you know. And then this sort of four episode chunk where Lana comes back. And I do not in any way blame Kristen Krug, but it feels like everything puts the brakes on. I mean, they they pause the doomsday stuff, which is very exciting. Lois just disappears like <laughs> completely, you know, Um we don't see anything of Clark at the planet anymore. I mean, it's just it oh, immediately... we get one key scene in this episode. We'll get there. Oh uh, no, that that barely counts. <laughs> oh, I can't even. I can't even. Um, so I I have a in my rewatches, my many many rewatches, I often skip these these four episodes uh, just because I I'm I miss the momentum of the rest of the season, and it does get back there by the end of the season, but well, the very end, the very very end. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I am 100% in line with you on that. It's it's this, um, you know, the reason Kristen Greer came back for these, you know, these five episodes she was in, Bride through Requiem. Uh, you know, Bride, I, I, I hear what you're saying, though, about the, the four episodes, because it's like, has she just come back and like kind of wrap things up? It's like, okay, thanks. Like, great. I'm glad you did that. We need a closure. But just staying, the, these extra episodes that continued on, you're like, okay. Can you? I know. Are we gonna wrap this up? Oh no, we're we're actually we're not not only are we here to wrap it up, we're here to reopen everything that we thought we moved on from, which which to me is like the big cloud over this episode, because uh, mm-hmm. there you know there's some there's some fun stuff in here to discuss, and as we, as we'll get into, it, we will talk about it. But I can't help but think like where this episode ends just leaves a terrible taste in my mouth, and it's always left Ugh. this bad impression on me. And much like you, I've I've I have this is an episode I've probably seen three times when it was on the air. When I got the 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 discs, as Clark refers to it in this episode, Have you, did you notice this? <laughs> yes, he says disc. <laughs> I'm so glad DVD. you say that too. I'm so glad you say that because I I kept thinking about how Lana broke up with Whitney and she calls it a video letter. She's like Whitney, you know that video letter I sent you. Video and, letter. And so I always referred to her breakup with Clark as a video letter, also because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, she loves breaking up with the quarterbacks via video letter. <laughs> But this this episode, I was like, oh, it's not just a video letter. It is a disc. <laughs> it is. An, oh, gosh. He, I, I was like, oh, that's, he said it once, I think. I'm like, oh, OK, dip, fine. A DVD, a disc. 
but they mention it, I swear, four or five times, and Clark <laughs> always says, a disc. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like, this oh, is not a new, br- he's, he's like a boomer trying to figure out new technology. <laughs> like, what is this disc you have here? I'm like, come on, Clark, you know what a DVD is, man. <laughs> no, and this would be the third time I watch it ever in my life for this for this discussion because it's like yes. this, again like i don't season eight the first half really enjoyed it re, reinvigorated my love as well it's a perfect way to put it uh i'll revisit some of those episodes sometimes you know, you know bride uh pray uh identity right i mean these are these oh. are all really good episodes and then you know you get here and you're like man i'm just gonna i'm just gonna skip these uh because they, <laughs> exactly. they just derail everything every, the char- main characters are gone Right. There's not that I'm I'm not the biggest Henry James Olsen fan in the world. Right. But he's gone for like five episodes. He's not here. Now, Lois Lane, gone. Davis, like, I mean, obviously, you know, there's just this enormous, like, weird gap in the Davis plot line because it's the entire first part of season eight is about nothing else. And then no one even mentions him for like several well, it's, seasons. It's almost like it's almost like they should, should have left him in his like little chrysalis there. Exactly. And maybe, and, you know, and my 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 hot take was like, you know what? Hello, Sam Whitmer. Davis Bloom was a tragic character. Uh, don't bring him back anymore. He's just a monster now the second half of the season. I know it's kind of unstatable. I've said that many times, but it's like you've kind of played that character out. And as we see when he comes back. Ugh. Exactly. Well, I think that's a little bit also what's weird about it is that had there been the sort of organic growth of that character from like the sort of like charming, like, you know, EMT from the beginning into full-blown doomsday but we have this huge chunk in the middle where he's not there at all and then he comes back as full doomsday it's very jarring <laughs> yes yes oh man but hey tess is back uh tess is a new character for season eight and what what are your thoughts on on her interjecting her into the in the story here i loved i love tess right off the bat like i remember watching you know the, the premiere and and being odyssey right is the season eight premiere just being very intrigued by this character and and thinking that it's a, a really cool move to have a sort of lex stand in be a woman be sort of a nod to, to mercy you know mm-hmm. um i loved her her relationship with oliver i, I think yes. that those those two actors have phenomenal like sort of love hate chemistry I don't know what your feelings are about the deleted scenes of season eight, but there was so much uh, of her like wanting to seduce Clark that thank God they cut out. <laughs> thank you for bringing that up. I uh, <laughs> thought that was a very odd play. I remember when like the, the, the casting sheets came out for this character, there was a, there was discussion like, Oh, when she has her eye on Clark romantically too. Like there was an idea <laughs> like, and, and to their credit, they quickly saw that like, you know what? That's weird. Let's not do that. But you're absolutely right. It's, it's specifically in uh must be in the second episode of the season when she rides up on a horse. Oh my god, it just and does not work. And it's I'm like, so I mean, I I feel it. I think I think she has great chemistry with everybody. Cassie Freeman, she's fantastic. But I'm like, I, I'm glad totally. we didn't go there. Like, just don't go <laughs> there, my- especially because it is a big Lex's sister. Exactly, exactly, and and because the issue of it so much is that she is this sort of like Lex character, and it's sort of like for a little bit they tried to play with what if Flex and Clark did fall in love and it's like no 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 that's a different <laughs> yeah, that's a totally a different show other, yeah. that's Supergirl actually <laughs> exactly Supergirl. exactly and this is really the, uh, the last episode this whole arc well a part of it is actually kind of repositioning Tess and we see in this episode more than any other at this point uh, she's an ally now you know she has her own shady stuff uh, clearly 
but but this is the beginning of her like, OK, we're going to not she's not just Lex 2.0. She's got her own stuff going on. Maybe she's going to work with the good guys. And and she still has I mean, she she's still out for her own purposes, as we see in this episode. But she is at least being honest with them. And, and she's not really a 100 percent adversary that you might thought she'd be when she showed up. So. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, let's um let's get into it then. Power. I'm training you to be stronger, more powerful, fearless. Smallville, all new episode this Thursday at 8, 7 central. Power is the 13th episode of the 8th season. It aired on January 29th, 2009, presented by Todd Slavkin and Darren Swimmer, and directed by Allison Mack. This is Allison Mack's first and only, only directorial yeah turn on smallville and in smallville the official magazine number 32 uh allison mack has this to say about directing this episode the opportunity was actually offered to me a few years ago i was very shy about taking it and then the writer strike happened so the episode i was to direct last year was postponed when i was reapproached this year with the opportunity to direct again it was amazing i've done the same thing for 22 years and this is the first time i've tried something new in filmmaking it was incredible so satisfying and challenging it was an amazing script. It was an amazing mm. script. <laughs> so that was her take on it. And, you know, th- this is the whole thing with actors becoming directors. Uh, I, you know, being a huge Star Trek fan, I've seen this over the years. And you guys got, you got guys like Jonathan Frakes, who was, of course, Commander Riker on Star Trek, became a prolific director. He directed episodes and all that he still does actually direct episodes of all the even the new series but he directed all the old series he directed a couple of movies so it's always cool to kind of see that transition and you know michael rosamond directed an episode in season six freak. and of course tom welling himself freak i love freak i i i, I mean tom welling does a wonderful job directing but um i think that michael rosenbaum only doing the one episode and it being freak and i think freak is such a good episode so i think that's a really good example of it yeah, and you know, closing that uh, that closing shot on his eyes, looking right into the camera. Yes, so <laughs> good. Freshly with you, right? Uh, and then, of course, you know, Welling. It's interesting that he became. I mean, he directed quite a few episodes in Smallville, and he never directed since. And even you know, you listen to him on Talkville, like he has a deep understanding of like production and all these things. And it's like, man, you should you should get into more directing. Like, you take the job from the Frakes path, Tom. I interviewed him once for he, he was doing a Nicholas Sparks movie and I, I of course showed up at on the press uh you know the junket and asked nothing but smallville questions. <laughs> so I was I was that guy. Um and he spoke a lot about wanting to keep doing it and it just being like harder to to get into than acting. Like he just you know he of course produced uh the cheerleading show was it called Hellraisers? Hellcats. Hellcats. Yes. Um and he, I think maybe, did he not direct any of those? I think maybe. No, no, he didn't direct. Okay. He has not directed anything but Smallville. I was surprised too. I was like, well, surely he directed one of those, but no. Exactly. I think he at least just had like a lot of creative input right. in that one. And then he's tried so many times since. And then there was a, there was a pilot that, that he was putting out to um, a lot of different uh, networks at the time, a yeah, sort of uh, military inspired pirate that he really wanted to do a lot of directing on. And then that just kind of fell apart. So I don't know, hopefully it's still in his future because he really does have a director's eye. He has such a like thoughtful approach to character, but especially to the technical aspects of it. I mean, I really love his, his insights on on that level because he, I think more than than Rosie, who's, who's really, really great at the narrative kind of breakdown. But whenever Tom Welling talks about the technical stuff, I always feel like I learned something new, which is not true of a lot of, you know, these sort of actors who kind of dip their toes into the directing thing. Oh, so much so. It, it's so refreshing to 
to kind of hear somebody who kind of knows what's going on. And, and it, it, you know, joking about, we were talking even before we started recording, like <laughs> them not knowing what the octagonal disc was, very amusing, right? <laughs> but that, and that's fine. That's, you know, whatever, right? Be, but like to, to, to have him be, you know, stories that Willing's talking about, like I remember when he was talking about like uh, X-ray, like when he had to like burst through a coffin, talking to like the prop guys, like, so you sure this is going to break, right? And the guy's like, yeah, <laughs> sure. And it didn't break. And he's like, oh, well. <laughs> but that's so fascinating that he can remember. And, you know, I, I love how transparent, especially Tom is about it. He's like, yeah, you know what? I don't remember much, but the more we watch, the more I do remember and the more I can say. And then he has these deep, interesting stories. Uh, and it's so interesting because obviously he he kind of been off the grid for so long, not talking about stuff. So these are all just just gems of, of untold stories from the set of Smallville. And he, more than anyone else, he was there all day long and he has a deep understanding. And that's probably what made him such a good director is because he was there all the time seeing how all these, not just the normal you know, set blocking and all that stuff, but the, the special effects setups and those sorts of things. So I think a, a deep sort of curiosity and, and thirst for, for knowledge of that aspect, um, aspect of it far more than the story part. So the story part is that he has no memory of now. Yes. And every time he tries to weigh in, he's like, wait, who is this like Ryan character? And I'm like, come on, man, you don't remember Ryan. You <laughs> Yo, know? Ryan, my love's Ryan. <laughs> but clearly the part that really ignited his passion was the technical part and, and the behind the scenes part. So it's, it, you know, it's too bad he's so handsome because I feel like he would really have a, a future as a director if he didn't look so good on camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what he typecast, right? Exactly. In a certain way. <laughs> Um, but you know, Alison Mack has some pretty cool directorial flourish this year. I think, as far as the like the flashback transitions, those are fun. We'll talk about those uh, because sometimes yeah. you can just like, oh, it's like a flash of light, and like it's it. And this one's like, oh, we're gonna use a set, and we're gonna do this. I'm like, okay, there, there's some, there's there's some stuff here. But Meredith, we're playing a game here. I started with season eight about the ratings. Mm. Call it the ratings watch, and I'm gonna give you a couple stats for context, but then ask you what you think this episode got in January of 2009, when it was on the CW. So for context, the season premiere, Odyssey, 4.34 million viewers, and the previous episode, Bulletproof, 3.85 million viewers. So what do you think Power got? Okay. Uh, hmm. I'm going to say... I'm going to say 3.5. And I don't feel like there would have been a ton in the next week on Smallville uh, of this episode that would necessarily mm -hmm. draw people in. So that's that's my guess. All right. So you think it went down by... I do. Three tenths know. of a point. Okay. Uh, it went up by four tenths of a point. 4.21 million. Okay. Wow. That's like almost premiere level. Good for people them. People loved Bulletproof, apparently. I... <laughs> Which is a very interesting episode, by the way. It's it's like a totally different show. And, and I think I would actually watch that show, but it's not Smallville. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's funny. I was uh, I was watching it prepping for the podcast, and my you know, my wife was doing something kind of in a in the side room. You can kind of see what's going on. She's like, "What are you watching?" I was like, "Smallville." She's like, "I don't recognize any of those voices." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, it's exactly. a little different. It's a little different." Exactly. Episode. But anyway, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is um, this is another you know, as far as the the zigzag, the peaks and valleys of, of ratings go, uh, this is the highest it gets for the rest of the season, and then it's all uh, it never reaches this height again. Hmm. Uh, I blame just, this. <laughs> just for the record, uh, I know, right? <laughs> and just for the record, Bloodline is the highest rated mm -hmm. episode of the season. 4.45 million. Really? And that's the one where Laura Vandervoort returns as Supergirl. Okay, so, so that's what I chalk it up to. Yeah, everyone loves the Laura. You know, she's wonderful. Like, I can't wait to see Supergirl back on the show. Oh, she's gone again. Never mind. I'm not watching. That <laughs> seems to wet the rating. Wait again until season 10. Yeah, yeah. wait again. <laughs> so... 
This episode starts out, and uh, we got Dr. Grohl. Dr. Grohl, a character from season six. What a pull. <laughs> what a pull. Um, I think that it, it's really, really smart to bring him back anytime there's any sort of like Luther Corp alien technology stuff. I, I think it makes a lot of sense because this guy already has sort of a gravitas. And then he especially, if you've been watching the show since season six, he feels like he brings a lot of like myth arc with him. It's like, oh, this guy has been working with Lex for so long on this, you know. That is essential, especially when, you know, you don't have Michael Rosenbaum. So you need to like <laughs> exactly. fill in like, oh, well, this you got to justify, right? Like, what, yeah, bring what, back Regan, <laughs> you know, bring back all these like Lex sort of connections. <laughs> Anyone who had a scene with Michael Rosenbaum, you bring him in, you're like, oh, OK, <laughs> right. OK, exactly. I guess that guy was there. Like it, just, it helps the illusion of, yeah, this is a continuous universe instead of like, hey, Tess was over there in the hallway when Lana recorded that video. But for example, <laughs> this, this helps prop that stuff up. Uh, so totally. he's having a conversation. It's very Spider-Man. Some guys like, we got to go back to formula. <laughs> talking about <laughs> this thing with, with Lana. And uh, so I was having not revisited this episode very much uh, <laughs> at all, really. Uh, I was like, wait, so is he working for Lana or Lex? Because I can't remember because he's telling his staff, like, well, this is what Mr. Luther wants, right? And I'm like, oh, I, maybe I misremembered. I thought he was working for Lana. And that, that's all revealed as we go. Yeah, that's but good. he 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 was he was uh, lying to his staff. He was lying to me. I was confused as a <laughs> I love seeing him and Lana share a scene together because if if I'm recalling correctly, and maybe I'm not, but their last scene was her blackmailing him in an elevator in season six. So it's nice that it was like, an elevator or a limo. But I feel like all those yeah. scenes with him are very intense in season six. Oh yeah, yes. she's like, you have a very nice, you know, home, and I, I hope that your girls love their private school. <laughs> it's like, oh okay, so we're just gonna pretend that whole like horrible blackmailing thing didn't happen, and now they're working together. Great. Like, I mean, I'm gonna make the world a better place. Lex is a monster. It's like, oh, okay, mm, sure. okay. <laughs> Didn't you we'll threaten my family? Um, yeah, that's that's a great point. But you know, we it's this reveal basically of someone in this uh tank. And I you know, I think they're trying to make us think it was Lex for a second because they don't really reveal who it is. Uh and then I don't so I don't know if they film this in the same place I, I or use the same prop, but you know, they filmed Smallville in Canada. And you know, they filmed the X-Men in Canada. And the Luther Mansion is the X Mansion in Canada. Right. And I'm like, is this the Weapon X Wolverine tank from <laughs> The X Men movies because it looks it looks just like it. It also looks. I mean, there's there are plenty of sort of similar technologies in Smallville that it reminded me of, like you know when Chloe gets her chip in Freak actually, and then mm. um and then the room itself looks like the room that Davis is sort of entrapped in. So I, oh you know, yeah, I think it is. I think it is a, a Smallville set, but the X Men similarities are are too many to to not be noted. Well, and even in X Men Origins Wolverine, you know, they gave him like a little, little, little mouthpiece to breathe. Lana, so we zoom in; it's Lana in this tank, <laughs> and she's holding her breath. Yeah, she's I mean, doing we, great. We, I guess we saw the training later that explains it. But I'm like, can we give her an air tank or something, right? Um, but no, no it's her lungs very, are, are strong. Very, this, yeah, she's got Phoenix lungs now. She Phoenix. Do <laughs> okay, oh, I have so much to say about the Phoenix. Not really, but just a frustration that they never say Phoenix in this episode. As far as like, I'm like, you guys, is it? You guys know it's not copyrighted. You can say that. Because is it, they keep is it because their own up. episode was called Phoenix in like season three, and they were like, "Oh, we can't do that." Maybe this would have been if I, again, small as the show goes on. Like, there's so many titles that they could have used. Like, Phoenix would have been a great title for this episode. But it would have oh, been sorry. great, exactly. I thought that five yes. years ago. <laughs> but it's 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 so strange because there's all these imagery and terms. You gotta rise from the ashes and soar higher, but we can't say Phoenix. That's very strange. <laughs> But yeah, so we zoom in and it's Lana underneath this thing. They start the process 
and like this water turns to fire and then she screams and then it's like cuts the opening credits. That's a, that's a classic opening credit cut right there. Well done. Mm-hmm. So then uh, we cut to the Kent farm and Chloe just walks in. Nope, people need to lock their doors. I, I, nope. I don't get it. <laughs> Nobody knocks on this show. It's very frustrating. Yeah, I mean, just it, even if the door is unlocked, you just do a common a, a doorbell, a knock, some sort of courtesy there. Uh, yeah. But Chloe just comes in and hears the uh, the uh, video letter, as you <laughs> described, <laughs> that Lana left Clark. And he, he's watching, which is very odd, huh? Yeah, and she's she's like, okay, why are we torturing ourselves again? I thought we were past this. And all of the audience is like, yes, I thought we were past this. Yes. How many times do we have to watch this video letter, you know? It's interesting that he's watching it now that she's back. Usually that's something you would watch, like, you know, as sad as it is. <laughs> he would just kind of watch if she was gone and he was lonely and he was thinking about yeah. her, right? But, like, the fact that she's back and you guys, I don't know, you kissed in the last episode. Uh, but But Clark explains to Chloe and the audience that it's to remind himself that Lana left for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Clark tells Chloe they kissed, and he says it was a mistake, and all this. And I, like, in this entire scene, I'm like, Clark is in the right state of mind. I 100% agree yes. with Clark. He's like, look what happened when Lana left. I got a job. I left the farm. Yes. I've been helping people. I'm like, yes, that's why I love the first exactly. half of season eight. And then Chloe's <laughs> over here being like, oh, no, you can't get over him that fast. I'm like, Chloe, what are you doing? What do you, I just, your cousin in love with him? What is your problem, Chloe? I feel like the way that people talk about the Clark and Lana roller coaster is so inconsistent. This happened a lot in season six, too, where, you know, like he, he sort of breaks into her engagement party and like does all this horrible stuff. And everyone's like, you need to forget about Lana. And then her wedding day, everyone's like, I don't know, maybe there's a chance. Yes. <laughs> and they're trying to convince us that it's okay that they're doing this. Will they won't they That's for what it years is. and years and years. That's, they're trying but to it justify actually, it to the audience. No. <laughs> and I don't know if this is an intentional acting choice on Tom Welling's part. And I think it might be, but Clark never seems convinced, including at the very end of this episode, he's always kind of like, uh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you're right. I have a note on that too, which actually made as frustrating as that last scene was. There was a moment that kind of made me laugh in that scene. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just Clark is given such a great argument to be like, no, like this is the past. Sure, you know, we kissed last night. We're gonna move on from it, and you know, we shouldn't have done that. And I think Chloe's like, well, maybe you just grew up. I'm like, yeah, he grew up because she wasn't around. <laughs> yes. I don't know. It, it was very frustrating. And Chloe, of all people. You know, Chloe, even in the even in the last episode, Chloe was in Bulletproof. Chloe was like, well, what does this leave you and Lois? Don't mess up my cousin. And it's like, exactly. Where's your, I just, yeah. If, if you were Chloe, I don't know. Like, I don't have, I, 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 I'm, obviously none of us have these very complicated <laughs> mythological relationships all these characters have. But it's like, I don't know if I'm Chloe and I know that my cousin is in love with Clark and Clark was kind of into her. And then Clark's like, yeah, I don't know, me and Lana kiss, we might get back together. I'm like, whoa, buddy, let's stop the breaks right here. Let's let's discuss your feelings about this person instead of moving on to this person. Not to mention, I myself, as Chloe, have been in love with you in the same situation. I was going to say, that that part too, it's like, as as Chloe specifically has been like kicked off of the Clark and Lana roller coaster so many times, you'd think she'd be more protective of her cousin not going through the same sort of turmoil, you know? Oh, it's a mess. So I, I guess this conversation spurs Clark to... You know, go talk to Lana. Chloe, Chloe does say, like, hey, she's probably in my place right now. Okay, what, is she staying there? Because she's keeping stuff in the <laughs> nightstand, as we find out. Very strange. Because <laughs> Chloe's going back and forth between here and Star City to check on Jimmy at the hospital. <laughs> oh, boy. I guess I don't think, no, we don't see Jimmy again until, what, Turbulence? Infamous? I can't really recall. 
It's but a couple of more episodes. He he it's... is on the he is on the the Lois and Davis. We don't have time for you right now. It's such a bummer. <laughs> Clark goes to the, the, the Talon apartment. Doors are never locked. He's like, "What?" Knocks on the door. Walks right in. Right. Mm-hmm. Just walks right in. Place is ransacked, and it uh, it seems like it's one of these you know someone's looking for something and and kidnaps someone. And who does he find there but Tess? Tess, who also presumably did not knock. Yes, <laughs> I, I like how she's wearing the necklace that she put on in the last episode to uh, to jam Lex's signal into the microchip in her brain. Uh, I was like, "Look at you, Smallville!" And then I think over the course of this episode, I think what Lana at the end says, "I know you got the microchip removed." I'm like, "Oh, I thought she was gonna have to wear that necklace." I think they'll probably just turn that dialogue into like, "That's why we don't want to have Cassie Freeman have to wear this necklace in every <laughs> in every <laughs> yes. scene that we're in." We couldn't even keep Lana's Necribnite necklace straight in the first exactly. season of this show. We, we can't deal with another one of these necklaces. The continuity is just insane. <laughs> Tess you know, just comes clean to Clark here. She's like, "Yeah, I think I think Lex took Lana." Uh, her line here, the bear may be hibernating, but he's not going to let his honey get stolen. Blech. What a Did line. Did not care for that. What Did not line. care for that at all. <laughs> so, okay, this is, this is, let's, let's talk about this because this is season, the first half season, eight, in the shadow of Lex, the shadow of Michael Rosenbaum, and especially at the end of Bride, right? I don't know about you, but back in the day, I was like, this is great. He's coming back. Yeah. Like, surely yep. they wouldn't show us this. And it's the mid season finale. They're teasing. We think Smallville is going to end in season eight at this point. They're going to, you think it's all leading towards something, right? In Smallville, the official magazine, number 32, there's a quote uh, from the Windy City Times from Michael Rosenbaum asking him about coming back for Smallville. He said, I told the producers that I would only come back for the last episode or two if they let me wear a bald cap. I just grew my hair out. (laughs) You know, it would have been nice if we came back for the last episode or two. Right? Instead, Instead of, of 10 day. minutes. Because <laughs> we're talking like, a, like he came back for a day. For the last couple of episodes, that's like two weeks of work. That would have been great. Yeah. And, and, and really helped the uh, the overall plot. Um, and there's also uh, an interview with the producers of the Smallville, Brian Peterson, Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. And they're asked about Michael Rosemont coming back. Uh, and they said, we'd like to. We're trying our best. Michael's busy. He's doing a lot of projects. But we're in constant contact with him. He knows how much we want him back. <laughs> so they and they know they're giving these interviews. They know that he's not coming I, back. And they all the show talks about, especially this episode, Lex, 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 Lex. You I look, I, I appreciate they didn't just never mention him ever because you can't ignore him. But I think they're leaning way too hard into him, knowing that this character may not appear again. And I read so, I was reading so many interviews, so many like spoiler articles at this time. Like I was obsessively checking I mean, when is he coming back? Like surely they'll have a date. They're going to announce a date. They're, you know, the, and it just kept, I mean, it just kept not happening. It was such a disappointment. Well, yeah, I mean, I think they handled it pretty well in Odyssey. We we're like, here's the new status quo. And but by the fact that you're showing you're literally showing the character now and you're like, right. he's alive and he's recovering and Tess is talking to him, apparently. You we're bringing Lana back. We're bringing Lana back, who we also thought was gone. So it sort of felt like, okay, all right, if we're going back, then let's like go back, you know. I, I just, I, I, I don't know. It's a bold move. <laughs> <laughs> let's see how it bold. turns out for him. <laughs> Bold's the uh, word. <laughs> yeah. We see in uh, the next episode how they how they wrap that up now, and obviously we'll talk a lot about this in, in Requiem, that, that the following episode. But you know, Michael Rosemom was supposed to come back at least in a voice. Like the script was written like with his voice in mind. And I'm not sure how that fell through. I guess he just figured clean break. I guess he figured, you know, if I go back for this, 
it's it's a whole thing I got to deal with, so I just won't come back at all. Maybe he read the script and was like, nah, not for <laughs> this one. That's very possible. He's like, wait, you're going to kill me off? <laughs> yeah, they just talk about Lex this this, this whole episode. Yeah, uh, Tess, Tess is like, well, it wouldn't be the first time that Lex kidnapped Lana from afar. He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then we, we get a flashback of uh, her making that video letter. As I'm going to continue to call it. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, and it's so funny. Tess is like, did it ever occur to you how she got a video camera in a mental <laughs> institution? I was like, oh, I guess that's a good point. Like stuff like that happens on the show all the time. I never thought about it, but sure, let's explain it. Yeah, that never had occurred to me, but uh, thanks, Tess. Yes. <laughs> I, do, I do agree that I think the transitions um, from sort of present day to flashback are, are really interestingly handled here. There's like a like, nice sort of soft focus kind of, uh, and then the camera shifts and and all of a sudden we're watching Lana in present day make the letter. It just sucks that like right after she does the recording, the guy's like, you've been in a coma for months. And then he chloroforms her. And I was like, her brain, like give her brain a brain. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't yeah. need. <laughs> what a dramatic, it's seriously a dramatic event. She literally wakes up from this coma and then presumably immediately, immediately <laughs> these people bust into a room, put a video camera in her face, put a gun in her face. Have her like tell Clark you're never gonna go back and I'll, you know I mean I don't know if we had a script or what right. Uh, so here's a thought I had. So so Clark is wa- at the beginning of the episode. He's watching the 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 disc from <laughs> Arctic, right? He's watching the right. same one we saw then. Like okay, right? Continuity. But then we cut to this and I'm like clearly it's not the same take and she looks different. Obviously they film this now. They they film that she filmed that herself on the set of. You know, of the set of Chung Lee. <laughs> like, to speak of Chung <laughs> right. Lee, right? So that's why it looks that way. It's super close up because there's no set or anything. This, it's a little different. Here, here's a thought. Like, I obviously, I'm, I'm going to nitpick either way because that's that's what I do. That's, that's the purpose of, of, of looking at these episodes with a with a, with a a magnifying glass to look at them with. Would not have been better to just have him watching this version <laughs> so at least the episode was consistent within itself. You know what I'm saying? I know. Exactly. Because we wouldn't remember. I mean... You and I would because we right. rewatch so often, but most of the viewers would not actually remember that it wasn't the exact same video. And, and you would be like, "Oh, okay, well, that was like months ago." But the, and the, but but this is like scenes, like literally two or three scenes apart. We're like literally seeing yeah. the same thing, and it looks different. It's like, guys, I appreciate the continuity, at least you know using the same thing. But if you knew you were gonna have to like recreate it and film it, just have him watch this version, and then <laughs> five minutes apart, it works anyway. Yeah, maybe schedule wise though, uh, you know, they needed to film this other scene before they could get whatever. You know, that's a good. We, yeah, we don't know what goes into it. <laughs> very true. We'll ask, we'll ask Tom when uh, when it comes up and talk. Yes. Do you remember? <laughs> did you have the Do you have the disc already for this? He's um, like, no, I do not remember. I absolutely do not remember. Do not, absolutely <laughs> not. So this is a uh, it's it's interesting here because we uh, see Tess come out of the hallway. Like, oh, she she was there the whole time. Again, this is like the backtracking of like, she's been here all along, um, which I think they've done a pretty good job of, especially tying her in with Oliver. As you mentioned, they have great chemistry, but even their backstories, uh, meaning all that stuff, like that kind of justifies her having the prominence that she has. So I think that was, that was, it's just, it's just funny if you go rewatch Arctic, knowing that like, yep, Tess is out there in that, <laughs> she's out there in that hallway. <laughs> but then we, we cut back to, Okay, th- 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 this is what's strange. Like, so, like, we have this flashback, and we cut back, and then T- Clark is like, say, like Tom. Tom's like, <laughs> we cut back, and then Clark's like, so that disc was a lie. <laughs> yeah, this is when it started to, 
this is when the disc terminology really started to stick out to me because he can. There's, oh, yeah. there's two or three more times he calls it a disc, and it, it's just it's just just call it video, right? Just call it a message. <laughs> Don't call it a disc. <laughs> so yeah, and it was a lot. So and remember what he said he was watching it to remind himself why him and Lana weren't going to be together anymore. But if that's a lie, that means they can be together. I, this is so disappointing to me on multiple levels. On one level, it's disappointing because at the end of season seven, when that happened, like watching it live, I was so proud of Lana. I was like, yes, girl, like you have been through enough. Clark is never going to kind of become Superman as your boyfriend. We've This has been abundantly established. Why don't you go off, do your own thing, let him do his thing. Like this is a very mature you know, way to end things. And also the fact that Clark came to accept it and realize that, you know, that 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 was a gift and and to embrace the gift and go on and, and live this new life. It just drags both of them back, not just narratively, but also in like maturity of their character where I'm sort of like, oh, okay. So we're still, I mean, there's been over the course of these eight years, so much back and forth between Clark and Lana. I mean, how many times do we see them break up, you know? Uh, and thinking that that was finally over and they had finally moved on. And then it's like, oh, never mind. It turns out that breakup was a lie. That disc was a lie. It's very disappointing. <laughs> yes. This is, the, this is the only reason. Like, if you learned nothing, <laughs> listen to yourself. He, he laid it all perfectly to Chloe, like we talked exactly. about. It's, it was all right there. <laughs> you know, we talk about the transitions in and out of the flashbacks. They're all pretty good up to this point, right? And after. Right, like there's three sixties. There's uh, there's sets that we pillars we move around walls. This we just kind of so we cut to like a road and a car driving, <laughs> and I was like, oh, we're we're back in the flashback apparently. <laughs> and it was just it took me a second. I'm like, oh, what? oh, Lana's in the back of this van. Is this is this now? I also have a problem with this in that every other flashback is being revealed to Clark by someone telling them. But how do we know this flashback happened? Like that doesn't follow the logic because there's no one, no one else was in that van. No oh. one else was there to tell Clark how this, this particular like sort of uh, hijacking by Lana happens. And so it doesn't follow the same flashback logic of the rest of the episode. And that bugs me. That is an excellent point. Because <laughs> uh, who, the Lana tell test this? Yeah, exactly. I don't think she did. <laughs> well, okay. So, so they're in the back of this van. And yeah, that I didn't even think about. I was just confused that this is a flashback because right now we're supposed to think Lana's kidnapped. And then we cut to a right. van and she's in the back of it. I'm like, oh, is this now? Yeah, <laughs> but no, it's right. this is the past because there was no there was no visual thing to, to tell us. Um, but hey, it's, it's security guard uh, uh, George. Security guard oh, Mike, George. Mike DuPont. He's been in a lot of episodes. He will be in more. But Lana, she, she you know, there, there's a moment where she, he tries to give her some water and he's like, oh, Mr. Luther's just looking out for you. And they little some little back and forth. And then, of course, she does from Lana Fu and gets out of it and pulls a gun on him and, sh and shoots at him, shoots them. I don't know. Uh, steals the van. But you know, security guard George, I know him. We love George, like you said. He he comes back in future episodes. He's actually been in this season already in the present day talking to Tess, right? Even though Tess says he's dead in the scene. WTF. <laughs> drives me crazy. Oh, it drives me crazy. It, it, again, little things that like, if they would have done something on either side of it, much like the, the video letter, I've been okay with it. Like, okay, if he had shown up like in season nine and they forgot, I'm like, eh, fine. Like they, they, they do that stuff on Star Trek all the time. Like a security guard died and then he's back. It's like, well, it's fine, right? But no, he, he was in an episode with Tess, had a conversation <laughs> like in season eight, in present day, and you're telling me he died. So strange. 
because Clark's like, who are their names? Let me know, right? And Tess is actually, she's kind of shocked how angry Clark is, but you, you've never seen Clark be fixated on Lana before Tess in person. You don't oh, know yeah. who you're dealing with. <laughs> and I guess there's a way to fan wink it that she like doesn't want him to, I don't know, beat a confession out of George. But I feel like she knows Clark well enough <laughs> by now to know that he's not going to do that. Well, I don't know if she's lying though because she says that all the people that Alexis is working with now are people that he never worked with before. I'm like, well, that's not true because we got George already. And Regan, then we got, Regan. Regan, and we have Dr. Grohl. I'm yeah, like, this is all these people. Sense. Like, this is, I don't know. I'm just going to say she's lying. <laughs> that's yeah, the she's just, way. we can't trust us. <laughs> no, no. Now, this is early season eight tests. No, unreliable. Um, but then Clark x-rays the nightstand and finds the Phoenix necklace. Because uh, So Cl- this is Chloe's place Lana's staying at and just using yeah. her nightstand and left this necklace. Well, the, okay, worst line reading of the episode. <laughs> what you got there, Clark? <laughs> <laughs> what you got there, buddy? <laughs> right? That is so true. It's got a very like, like, hey, little kid, what, did you so pick up a rock? <laughs> talking to your cat who just brought you. So what you got there? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's, that, that's exactly it. You nailed it. That whole thing is weird because, I mean, and not to nitpick this entire episode to death because there are some some good points, but, you know, as you say, like, what? You know, she's staying in Chloe's place. Has he, like, x-rayed Chloe's apartment in such detail over the years that he recognizes one, like, necklace that doesn't belong in the nightstand? If so, that is immensely creepy. <laughs> like, you know, Chloe's got weird jewelry. <laughs> Who could say why that, you know, necklace is there? And people keep very private stuff in their nightstands. That is not an appropriate place to be x-raying in someone, a friend's apartment, you know? That is an excellent point. Do not x-ray, open up drawers. Like, now saying it's a sacred place. <laughs> exactly. That is a sacred place, and I don't appreciate Clark just x-raying it willy-nilly. <laughs> yeah. No, Clark, uh, violation of privacy all over the place. That is one consistent yeah. uh, character trait of him. <laughs> um, True. So he pulls out this necklace, and he's like, oh, it's, it's not Lana's style. I'm like, is this Lana's even stuff? You don't, uh, we don't even know. <laughs> it's Chloe's apartment. I, but I guess Lana owns the place. It's very, look, the, the, the chain of custody of that talent apartment all over the place. Everyone is all over there. the place. <laughs> the Kents, but even the, the the kids. They almost lived there. Almost, almost. When the when the farm was going to get foreclosed on, when when Clark was in Metropolis in season three, they were going to move in, which would have meant if, in, if, in Phoenix. That would have been in Phoenix. Yeah, oh, it's all connected. Whoa. That's fantastic. It's all... just did. It really is all connected. Oh my goodness. So he pulls this out, and Tess is like, "Huh, that's." That's that's my strategic advisor's necklace. <laughs> what <laughs> are you talking about? My strategic advisor. <laughs> so we come from there to to Clark just super speeding into into the Luther Mansion and and Rick Flag is there. Rick <gasps> Flag from Smallville season ten. Okay, so uh, Ted Whittall is the actor's name. He plays Carter Bofree this episode, uh, and then he comes back as Rick Flag. In four episodes of Smallville season 10, I wish there was a line in season 10 like, oh, so my alias was this, but I'm because he's like the same guy. He's an ex-military guy. I don't understand why this is not the same character. I know. And they do that a lot on Smallville. I mean, obviously, there's a sort of like Vancouver acting pool of people who will play, but they're smaller characters usually. And there's more time between them. There's like such a short amount, uh, a period of time between this episode and when he shows up. And there, it's as a really memorable and similar character. They also do that with um, Tom O'Pennicott, like he in both right. 
versions of his character comes back as like a guy who's a guy who came back dead. from the dead. <laughs> yeah. But at least there's like six years in between those. You know what I mean? Or yeah. like five. Like, this yeah. is literally a year and a half in between dude playing who might as well have been the same guy with a different name. Bizarre. Yeah, very... Smallville does the same with uh, Aaron Douglas, right? He was a, oh, yeah. uh, a a sheriff deputy in season one, and he comes back at the end of season seven as like a, a private contractor guy. You could even say that was the same guy if you really wanted to. But it's it's just interesting. I'm like, guys, like, I, I don't know, very strange. Also, he's in Suicide Squad as yeah, a government guy in his scene. <laughs> With that version of Rick Flag. <laughs> it is so mind blowing. Whenever I watch the sort of DC movies, the level of just actors from Smallville playing characters, like sort of one off characters, you know, in smaller scenes characters. with the new versions of those characters. Yes. Yes. That also happened with a mill. Both Dr. Hamilton's yes. together. Oh my God. Yes. Blew my mind. <laughs> it's crazy. So he's here and Clark's like, this is your necklace. And he, and he pulls out from his pocket. He's like, my medallion is right here. And there's two of them. How could there be two of the same necklace? I don't understand. How is that possible? It's just so, like, your clothes are so flimsy. And Tessa's level of attention that she knows what jewelry her strategic advisor wears. All of this is flimsy. This is, I mean, (laughs) Smallville is built on people jumping to the correct conclusion based on very little little evidence. But this episode is like one of the worst. (laughs) All of these clues make no sense. They're really weird. Well, Rick Flagg here, as I'll continue to call him, he (laughs) tells Clark, you must be Clark. Like, oh, okay. And he gave Lana that necklace last spring in Edge, city which is a dc comic city so that's cool mm-hmm. and then we get this whole like you know i'm doing it with my hands so i can see but it's like that the camera's doing the 360 around <laughs> around the wall and we go back in time he's explaining to clark i don't know how she tracked me down but she <laughs> did okay that's that's the level we're at as far as <laughs> i think so and so lana lana comes to, to get trained by him apparently because she wants to be strong right um oh by the way i don't want to skip this part because i wanted your opinion on it after Lana steals that van in the flashback, she pulls up to some gas station, right? And and cuts her hair. And it's like a huge moment. And I'm like, what is this saying? I don't understand what it's trying to tell me. Uh, it, seemed okay, profound. So you- it seemed like it should have been profound, right? Yeah. I'm so glad you bring that up. I believe the moment is supposed to be another sort of Phoenix nod that's not actually uh, spelled out where it's like, oh, here's her big transformation. She's no longer the old Lana. She's a new Lana. It's like her like platinum blonde wig. <laughs> yeah in season seven you know but uh the part of this that kills me and this happens a lot in in movies and tv shows was just like using a straight razor over a gas station sink and her hair looks so good (laughs) it is it's like girl this should actually be your job like if this is what you can do in five minutes with a straight razor you need to be a hairstylist this is a really good haircut (laughs) no look it looks great it's a different look for her uh did we need it explained no it's just like hey lana's been gone for a year she changed her hairstyle. New hair. Yeah. That's <laughs> fine. But the, the fact that like made a thing out of it, it was like, okay. And th- that's that's fantastic. Yeah, that, that's dangerous to come with a straight razor like that with that kind of ooh, man. It's I not it. easy. <laughs> Lots of volume and layers. It's <laughs> in a real dirty ba- gas station bathroom, by the way. It's very yeah. large, covered in like toilet paper and stuff. <laughs> like it's so gross <laughs> in there. It's disgusting. <laughs> All right, anyway. So that's that because Lana comes in with her new haircut. That's remind me. And she tells she tells brick flag here that he trained green berets and navy seals and you know that's she she wants to be trained by him uh she wants to be invincible okay and he, he tells her i'm all for girl power but uh, you're gonna have to go 
train with somebody else. <laughs> the way episode title said an episode plus one there. It, they say power many times throughout the episode, but that's the first case of it, I think. And, you know, she, she says a pretty pretentious thing, I think. Trust me, if you help me, you'll be helping the world. I of of a lot of problems I have with this episode, lo- the level of ego Lana brings to her assumption that being super powered will improve the human condition across the world is astonishing to me because Clark has had these powers for at this point, what, 22 years, and he's still struggling with the level of responsibility that comes with him. And if he makes a choice, is it actually improving things or making it worse? Is he saving the day or did he start the apocalypse to begin with? You know, he he's constantly struggling with that level of responsibility, which is correct. That is what you should do. Just the assumption that like, oh, I'm always going to know the right thing to do. I'm going to have superpowers and I'm going to change the world for the better, in spite kind of a lot of evidence to the contrary every other time she has had superpowers <laughs> really upsets me. <laughs> which, which to their credit, they bring up in this episode. Like, yeah, many times, like, well, the last time a lot of had powers, it didn't go too well. You tried to kill Lex, and I'm like, yeah, I'm glad you remembered that, because that's... Yes. That's true. And and she, not that her getting the powers here makes her go off the rails, but um, she's doing some shady stuff to get the powers to begin with, I think. I don't think you can talk about this episode without talking about Allison Mack and Nexium, um, unfortunately, because... I and you know in general it's like you know there's a lot of other things to talk about with Smallville you don't have to bring it up every time but mm-hmm. she very very much drove this episode at a time that she was already involved and it takes the, the empowerment think, it, the empowerment of it all exactly like I think on the page uh, this could be a wholesomely empowering arc for Lana but a lot of the direction is kind of sinister and it doesn't and as you say like on the page they're bringing up these times in the past that. Um, you know, she, she got power and she didn't use it, wield it responsibly. And Ted Whittall, uh, Carter Beaufry, says to her, you know, power is not enough. You have to have maturity. You have to have strength. You have to have wisdom with it. So it's all on the page. But very much so, the episode seems to to indicate to us that we should be like, yeah, this is great. This is badass when she when she gets the suit. And then in the featurette uh, behind the director's chair on the Smallville DVD and Blu-ray on the discs. <laughs> the discs. <laughs> uh, on the Smallville video letter uh, behind the director's <laughs> chair. It's a featurette about Allison Mack directing. And she keeps talking about how she was like moved to tears at, at how empowering it was to see Clark and Lana be equals. And also, I'm like, I'm sorry, but they're not equals yet. Again, Clark has been doing this for 22 years. He's been practicing restraint, judgment, responsibility, accountability for 22 years. And she's just like, now we can kiss. That's the, my motivation for being a superhuman. <laughs> like, no, I don't I don't think yeah. that's empowering at all. I think it's scary. And I think the fact that Allison Mack thinks it's empowering when the script doesn't necessarily is kind of telling. Oh, so it's insightful into maybe where her mindset was at this point as, as she's I feel continuing like it on is. with, with Nexium. Obviously, uh, it hadn't gone to the, the extremes by the time. But when Small was still going on, Nexium was still like, you know, it was a kind of out there, but still reasonable as far as I understand the timeline. Okay, if I'm wrong about that, right. please correct me. Right. But based off, I've, I've watched The Vow, I've listened to podcasts. I've done, obviously, I have a vested interest in all the stuff that's going on with Allison Mack. And... So I'm understanding, like, until it was it was a couple years kind of after Smallville where things really started to kind of go out the rails. At this point, it's still like just this female empowerment or just it's not even just female empowerment. She was part of that kind of subsect of it. But it was, you know, that th- that whole thing. Right. And yeah, that is very insightful of, of perhaps what her mindset was, because you're right. I mean, they 
as you said, on the page, it's like, oh, they're bringing up some good points. You just can't flip a switch and be powerful. You need training, you need time, you need maturity. You know, uh, it's uh, uh, Carter tells her that, right? When Lana's like, because we see her go through a couple things and he's trying to like, you know, push her and and he's like, what have you been of? You've been feeling sorry for yourself your entire life. You got to, you know, toughen up and that sort of thing. Okay, like, and so we, we see that, but then she just kind of comes downstairs one day and it's like, okay, I'm ready to go. Yeah, my training's over. I, I graduate myself. It's like, no, 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 no. He graduates you. He tells you when you're ready. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's another show of ego on Lana's part where she's like, I don't need you anymore. I need power and you can't give it to me. And it's like, that is not something that a superhero says. That's not what the good guy says. That's yeah. what the like eventual villain says. You <laughs> yeah, know? this is a villain origin story. <laughs> yeah, this is a villain arc, you know? <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, that's not because, yeah, obviously Allison Mack just directed it. She didn't write it. But through so much of the presentation and the adaptation of the script, you can you can imply and infer certain themes and reinforce certain things. And no, I, I see what you're saying there. And because something did feel, I didn't know exactly like how to put my finger on it. But I was like, something felt a little off about their journey here. Because And then ultimately, just big picture wise, um, the message... I don't really agree with you. Even them being equals, I'm like, they don't have to. It implies that you have to be like super powerful for them to be equals too. I'm like, no, like Lois. I feel like Lois and Clark are equals, but they're not the same. Absolutely. Oh my God, that is such a good point because equality doesn't mean you can both throw a tractor trailer over your head. Like equality is you respect each other, you listen to each other, you trust each other. I mean, Lois and Clark are absolutely equals and she didn't, and and this whole thing, and I actually love when Carter Beaufry says, I'm not training you to be someone else, I'm training you to be Lana Lang. Mm -hmm. And what Lana wants is to become strong enough to wear a suit made by her ex-husband so she can have the same powers as her ex-boyfriend. That is not equality. That is truly imitation. Like, she's she's seeking imitation. She's not seeking actual equality. Well, when you put it that way, <laughs> you break it down like that, it's pretty concerning. Yeah, because there's a moment she's like, well, I know a guy who could do that. He's like, don't worry about that guy. I need you to be the best exactly. version of you. Like, that's a good, like, he has some good mentor insights here. Da- I, I really like Carter Beaufry, and I honestly yeah. would have watched like a little spinoff about, you know, Lana training for Carter Beaufort and becoming a different type of hero. But mm. then it, instead, she's just like, okay, I'm going to put on a suit and be just like Clark. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. It's, <laughs> That's not. Yeah, it's almost like the Green Arrow episode to, to a point. Uh, toxic. Now, I, I, I had talked mess about that many years because I'm like, well, it's nothing like Arrow. And then rewatching, I was like, oh, you know, I actually kind of like that episode. It's not as bad as my my mind had built it up to being comparing it to obviously you have, you know, seasons of a TV show talking about the green arrow's origin, unfair comparison. I was like, Oh, that was not bad. But the fact they were all these, these deep life changing things and origin stories of these, these major characters are like condensed into like a handful of flashbacks in one episode. And I'm from like, Oh, you could have done a whole thing. Like, like at least, at least one episode where was a predominantly flashbacks uh, and really kind of get into like the, see the change instead of like show don't tell. Like so she comes downstairs and she's like, I'm, I'm done now. Thank you for <laughs> your time. Like, Are you though? <laughs> well, he even says he, you, you need skills, you need maturity. She says, I need power. I was like, again, super Ew, villain origin yes. story. That is a chilling sentence. And it's power. not directed as chillingly as I think it's written, you know? Oh, man. I've had it before. <laughs> Ew, like I don't like it. It's so very golem you know? <laughs> it's, it's, it's right. It's so strange. She does learn to, to, to let go of Clark. In this, apparently, because this is what this is what Carter tells her. Like, I'm going to call him Carter now because I'm going to treat him with respect. You, you make good points about how good he is. I'm not going to call him Rick Flag Gamer. I'm going to call him Carter. Um, but he's like, what's his, what's his name? You know, what are you, you're holding on to someone or something. What it is it? And she has to let it go. And 
And yeah, okay. So, I mean, apparently she let Clark go, but she immediately forgets all that, by the way, when she comes back. <laughs> right? Because we're building towards that. This is how she got over all this. And then, again, the episode undoes all that at the end. Very strange. Like, this, this is a good know. core here in the center. If they had just yep. approached it differently and, and expanded it. But uh, but then he before before she leaves, he's like, well, I want you to have this. Um, rise higher and never look down. And it's this Phoenix thing. And they, and they just refuse to say Phoenix. They, they say about rising from the ashes and the fire and the flying. <laughs> and I, I, it's almost like, it seriously is almost like there's some mandate where you cannot say Phoenix. It's so strange. <laughs> Yeah, maybe they did say it and then they cut it out because they were like, this might be confusing because of our episode, Phoenix. So we're just going to remove every overt reference, but leave all the like, <laughs> you know, they, the they, subtext. They don't seem to be concerned about repeating themselves and other things, but <laughs> you might be right. That's true. <laughs> but then, you know, we cut, but but then it's even, this is kind of messy because we cut back to the present and then Carter goes on to explain like, oh yeah, so I went looking for her and I found her in Metropolis and she was looking about into Luther Corp. And so I decided to join her cause and get a job with Tess Mercer and then feed her information from these. Like, that's I'm like, where's that flashback? Like, it's like, right? that's even more interesting than what we just that saw. That sounds so interesting. Like, how does Carter Beaufry pull one over on Tess Mercer and like get into her good graces and become her strategic advisor, which is like very high cabinet position yeah. while, while he's actually secretly working for Lana? Fascinating. Would love an episode about that. <laughs> yeah, like that should be that should have been the episode. Like, like the Ilana yeah. flashback episode should have been like all of that. And yes. instead, this guy is basically in like in the present day. He's in in the hallway with Clark for one extended scene, and that's it. And we never see him again until season two <laughs> when he comes also, back as Rick Flag with Suicide Squad. Obviously, right, exactly. And I'm glad because he is, I think, a really good actor. Yeah. But also, they eventually diminish this character who's like this great trainer and sort of like, um, you know, sort of the Kill Bill kind of guru scene uh, yeah, with yeah. Lana they diminish him into like one more Lana stalker where he's like I decided to vote my life to like supporting her cause and it's like ah oh, man like, oh that's so <laughs> she has true enough of those she has plenty of those she needs someone that tells like calls her on her is what she needs you know yeah because he, he's like a sticks to her daredevil like yes exactly and so I guess this is who she was texting and talking to in the last couple episodes that that like originally like, is this Lex who is this right <laughs> you know because it's yeah. very vague they didn't really want you to arch or believe you from Brian and all that. I'm like, I guess, I guess Carter talked that way. It sounds like Lex to me, <laughs> but he's not the only person she's been talking to, Meredith. Because when she went back to Metropolis, uh, she talked to some blonde woman who she went to high school with, <laughs> Chloe Sullivan. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> so it turns out a lot of contacted Chloe. Ugh. I think this episode also would have been served by cutting Chloe out and they could have left room then for another character, um, you know, Davis or Jimmy or one of these guys that we miss uh, or just extend, expend the, um, the scenes with, with Lana and Carter in, in the past tense, because I mean, and she says this a lot in the future ed, and this is like absolutely not a dig at all because I can't imagine trying to direct yourself for the first time, but I feel like she's a little bit less compelling in these scenes than she usually is, which makes a lot of sense because she didn't have an external person like directing her. And you know, mm. that's a lot of work. And I also don't think the scenes carry that much weight story-wise. Like we did not need this flashback scene at all. And all it then led to was like, our billionth scene of Clark being like, you kept someone else's secrets. I thought you only keep my secrets. Yeah. And we didn't need another one of those. You know what I mean? So I think that some of these other areas that feel a little bit like meager could have been built up by cutting out the Chloe scenes. She could have just focused on the directing and we could have had these parts that are actually more compelling last a little bit longer. 
No, you're absolutely right. Like the scene where Clark, obviously after this, he's going to go confront Chloe about this. <laughs> and he he's like, why didn't you tell me? And she's like, so now I'm keeping secrets that I didn't even know I had. I was like, what? That was a little, she just went and kind of default autopilot. I totally see what you yeah. did there. Got a lot of other things that are mine directing the episode. So. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a it's kind of a parallel to season three. We're talking about Phoenix again, right? Or Exile in Phoenix, where Clark was in Metropolis and Chloe saw him but didn't tell Lana. Right. Oh, right. And if they had led into that parallel, that would have been very interesting. Or, you know, I love it when they have like a narrative callback. If she'd been like, dude, you were missing for three months and I didn't tell anyone, I'd be like, point Chloe, <laughs> like, right. well done. Uh, so I kind of did think on this rewatch, that's what they were doing. And then they never, they never, like, I was waiting. It out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because well, that would is, be like a very fair thing. You know? This episode in, in the first half of season eight on the whole, to its credit, has been very deep cut continuity. We're talking, we're pulling out letters from Fever. Yeah, out, right? I love like, it when the letter comes back yes. up. Oh, I love that. That's so pulling, we're pulling out our corsages from, from, you know, things. And it's oh, like, you, God, you guys, so good. Uh, it was right there. Like it's the same scenario, just with the different the being flipped, and then but in a perfect parallel. So it's interesting that they missed that rather obvious uh, thing there. I know Clark actually takes it pretty well. Like we, have, so we have another flashback. We kind of go around another pillar. It's like the same. It's like they found this one move, and the, I like it. But it's like the same one every <laughs> single time. You know, and it, what it reminded me of it is uh, lineage in season two, where they kind of was the more interesting flashbacks. Yeah, like lights yes. change, and we kind of like camera moves, and then we're just kind of back there. So whenever you can make it a little more visually interesting, like a like a, like a flash, you know, like you like an arrow. Like Arrow doesn't do that kind of stuff, but it at least tries to do like, I'm passing behind this car and now it's become a Jeep on the island or something, right? Yeah, totally. Interesting visual transitions. And she drops a, you of all people should understand, which is take a <laughs> shot. Anybody says that on the show. <laughs> Lana's at ISIS. As we find out, it's very important. She's, she's messing with the radiator. That's very important <laughs> when, Chloe, when Chloe comes in. Another flimsy, flimsy clue. And, you know, here's, here's a... um. Here's another quotable uh, from Chloe. I'm so impressed by what you've done with ISIS. The ISIS is so unfortunate. I, I you know, my my friend's a, a teacher, uh, a high school teacher, and she's had like three different girls in her class named ISIS, and I just feel so bad. Ooh, <laughs> bad like, timing. Yeah, bad timing. <laughs> bad timing. Look, look, look that's a, when names get co-opted like that, it's it's always it's always unfortunate. And hey, stay tuned for episode uh, five of season ten, ISIS on Smallville. ISIS, mm. yes, exactly. <laughs> so- <laughs> But, uh, you know, they catch up and Chloe's like, hey, I'm getting married. And she's like, oh, that's great. You two make a perfect couple. I'm like, who who do you think she's talking about? <laughs> you and Clark or you and Jimmy? They never say Jimmy's name. I just thought that was funny. I, like, I know. I do actually think that that would be like more organic. You and Jimmy are so great together. But it's like you two. And it's like, can we not? Does he not even get a freaking name in this episode? <laughs> we have to pay Aaron Ashmore if you mention Jimmy. So we can't, we can't <laughs> say it. Um, she's like, oh, well, speaking of, are you going to go see Clark? It's like okay, Chloe. What do you? Why are you still shipping them? Like we're, we're gonna get over this, right? <laughs> but no, she's not gonna go see Clark. She's here to investigate Project Ares, which is the season six Super Soldier plotline. Which, uh, like, oh, look Tom at you and your deep cut continuity. Oh, definitely, it's, it really is all connected. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> um, but no, I'm glad they brought this back up because that's the plot. I was so excited to see the Justice League fight the Super Soldiers at the end of that season, and then they didn't do that at all. They just did Bizarro, <laughs> as we talked about at the beginning of season seven. So that's what she's looking into. Super soldiers with alien DNA. She, I guess, wants it for herself, it seems. She wants power. That's what she's after, as we know. And uh, makes Chloe promise not to tell Clark that she was there, as a good friend does. But I don't know. I, I think Clark takes this pretty well. You know, I, I would have been more upset. You, you would think he would be more upset about knowing that the love of his life was here and gone and his best friend who they trust 
didn't tell him. Like, regardless, because now, because then he's like, now she's in trouble because you didn't tell me because it's her, you know, so, you know, whatever. She asked Clark about, uh, about Tess. She's like, well, how did you find this stuff out? He's like, Tess. And, uh, and then he calls it a disc again. He's like, the disc was a lie. (laughs) (laughs) Of her, uh, her goodbye letter, her video letter. So this is this is a bunch of characters finding out that other characters are like friends and connected now. Because earlier, like Clark asked Tess, like, "When did you and Lana become such good friends?" She's like, oh, when she showed me how much of a monster Lex was. And this is like Chloe's like, "Since, <laughs> since when are we cool with Tess? Like, what is this about?" Right. <laughs> so Clark mentions that uh, you know last time Lana got powers, she went to go get revenge on Lex, and that's probably what she's about to do. A couple of things were happening through here. We saw another phase of the, the Prometheus suit. It's like the nanites are going to go on into her skin. So, you know, in the last episode and in this one, I think we see those visuals of the, they call it Prometheus, right? This is what Lex Luthor does, these these mythological terminologies. But we see like a power suit, like the comics. I'm like, oh, cool, Lex Luthor in the power suit. That was version one. Version two is all this like skin stuff, which is like very, a very CW vacation of a Lex Luthor <laughs> power suit. Oh yeah, you you got it. It's just on your skin. It just looks like, like Christian Kirk. <laughs> yeah. But during all this too, uh, Tess meets up with Reagan in some shady limo in some bad part of town. And I feel like this is them slowly realizing they're not going to get Mike Rosemont back and like, okay, bring in full more people. Because it seemed like in, in, in Odyssey, he like disappeared. And it's like, I think, I've, it was, I don't know, I thought it was like Tess killed him or something. And, you know, yeah, there was a headline that's like, I, I forget what the headline yeah, he was. He was like, yeah, Luther Corp henchman goes missing. Yeah. <laughs> That felt very final, but I guess it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm not sure if this if this tracks, uh, but you know they're just like just fill it like we said, just fill it in with people that we see before. Maybe they won't <laughs> notice that Lex isn't here, and he'd he'd worked with Lex before, even though Tess told Clark that all those people weren't around anymore. And she tries to get Reagan to to work for her, and he doesn't want to. And basically, they're both looking for Prometheus. Tess wants it for herself, and then Reagan wants it to save Lex. He's still loyal to Lex, apparently. That's that's where we are. Tess wants to destroy it, I believe. I think Tess actually, like, I genuinely believe Tess wants to destroy it. Well, that's than true. Then Tess is a better person than Lana Meredith. I, I think so. I That's actually what I'm, like, positing <laughs> That's here. the irony of this episode. We're supposed to be like, Lana's here to save everyone and help Tess put her on the right path. Like, no, I think Tess was after, like, her Tess's measures were extremes, but so were Lana's. Let's not lie about it, right? So yeah, yeah. Tess goes to the Daily Planet and finds her security guard dead at her desk. And Reagan is there. We see the gun. We literally see him like with the gun, <laughs> like that he's Smoking reloading. Gun. Yeah, it's, so it's very <laughs> obvious that he killed her. Um, shout out to like again, deep up continuity. We see they're walking around our office. We like this. We see like the starfish on a shelf. I'm like, oh, this is a reference to Tessa's she, oceanography. <laughs> yes, Tess used to love the ocean, and now she wants to destroy the world. <laughs> <laughs> it, it happens. It happens. Um, but they talk about, you know, being eyes and ears, like Lex Luthor's eyes and ears. And he, he has a dig at her about how, you know, obviously we, we revealed in the last episode that Lex has been like, put a microchip in her head and can see and hear everything she hears, says and hears. She's like, well, I have eyes and ears too. And all my cameras in here caught you killing that guy. All right. And you're going to be in big trouble, but they start fighting. He's about to shoot her. Tess gets the upper hand and then kicks him to death. <laughs> I don't man, How hard does the impact have to be kicking someone's head to get blood splatter on your face? I had a lot of problem with the physics of that. Like, I feel like, like if Dexter were here, like doing the the blood spatter analysis, it would not like point to Tess. It'd be like, well, surely she couldn't do it because no one can kick that hard. I don't know. This seems really weird. I think that we're supposed to see it as Tess's, you know, like step into true villainy um, after 
you know, some sort of back and forth with her throughout the season. But first of all, <laughs> Reagan was straight up asking for it. Like he, when he, he was literally he going impl- to shoot her and kill her. He was literally going to shoot her. So there was definitely a self-defense. He also then implied, he sort of like had a revenge porn implication and like what he's seen that like Lex showed me some of your highlights in a way that's like really upsetting. Right. Um, Right. And also, and maybe I'm I'm wrong about this and I'm sorry if it's a spoiler, but I think Regan comes back. Like, I don't think this is the last time we see the actor. So she didn't actually kill him. I Uh, I have this thought as well. We see him (laughs) in Doomsday on a video where he's talking about like the orb and all this stuff to kind of set up the candor stuff. I think the implication is that was, she like interrogated him after she kicked the shit out of him and he didn't really die, but he probably died shortly thereafter from his, from his wounds. <laughs> but uh, uh, the implication is after this, okay. she put him in a chair, put a camera in front of him and they're watching. So, so I don't know who it is. Tess Oliver. Someone <laughs> is watching that video in the season finale. And that's why we see him again. Okay, thank you. Um, so there's another video letter, this one starring Reagan. It, I don't know if it's on a uh, disc or not, but yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, the the blood on her face, physics aside, is is very dramatic and the way she kind of like wipes her lip. But also, I mean, I think t- uh, Cassidy Freeman can't help but like at, bring nuance to what doesn't feel like would be have a lot of nuance. Like she has one sort of like bloodstained tear rolling down her cheek because she's got this kind of like badass like you know, wiping the blood off her mouth kind of thing that I think, I don't know. I feel like she has more humanity in this episode than Lana does. And I don't feel yeah. like that's at least Allison Mack's intention. That was unintentional. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I unintentionally became much more of a test fan and much less of a Lana fan through the events of this episode. Exactly. Totally. And I don't think that was the point of the episode, <laughs> but that is exactly how I felt about it. Yeah. Cause it's almost like, you know, when Lex had to kill someone like early in Smallville, like when he shoots Roger Nixon or something like you're like, Oh, well, that's bad. And it's obviously a step toward darkness, but you understand why he did it. So you're like, you feel bad for it. It's tragic. And like, obviously you don't yeah, want to see Tess yes. like slaughter this guy, but you totally understand where she's it's self-defense and he was egging her on and it's a terrible situation. And, and then she's like regretting it, but also like you, that's empowerment, I guess. I don't know. Like it's, <laughs> it's mixed messages of this episode. Very There's confusing. so many mixed messages of this episode. Then we get to Chloe and Clark at ISIS and they're talking about uh, Prometheus Chloe laments that she's not Brainiac anymore. So she can't hack into the files. I'm like, oh, good. We, we set some limits. <laughs> On your hacking ability. I like that. Like, we cannot have you just being like Mr. Spock and being able to do everything all the time, right? That's, <laughs> totally. that's my take on it. But by the way, what did you like more? Chloe being a meteor freak? or Because you like the episode Freak so much. Chloe being a meteor freak or Chloe being Brainiac? I prefer meteor freak Chloe. Uh, I'm also glad that there was a limit to that. Like, uh, I, I thought it was really well done and that, like, it hurts her every time she does it. So she can't just constantly be saving people. You know what I mean? Like, I like... Uh, uh, abilities with boundaries around them instead of Clark because Clark's the one who's supposed to only have like kryptonite you know the Brainiac stuff it's like she's already brilliant like how much more brilliant do we need to make her <laughs> she's a, a very brilliant character who's really good at hacking well before she was like part robot brain interesting see I, I found the opposite because I think the freak of the week always seemed like a big retcon and Brainiac we kind of saw it happen and those were the side effects of it and became a cool plot for him you know to use her as a vessel and all the stuff that happened the first half of the season as opposed to I totally to, get that because the show so, yeah. almost was like yeah maybe we shouldn't know the meteor freak thing and they kind of took it away so to me I'm like oh I think the show agrees with me <laughs> but that, that's that been my read of it you know what I mean 
I totally get that. That's a really good point that you make. But I feel like they explain the retcon really, really well in a way I have no problem buying. And that's like, who's had more exposure to kryptonite than me? True. <laughs> you know? Well, I don't know. A lot of where that kryptonite uh, necklace on her neck <laughs> that's for true. many years. <laughs> But that's like a very slow, kind of steady. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair. Yes, there are way we've suspended disbelief much further for this show. So and and we've seen lots and lots of other characters lose their kryptonite ability. So I liked it. Felt like a perfect, like encapsulated little arc for her that didn't break any previously established rules on the show. Fair enough. Fair enough. But Clark asked Chloe, "Hey, where did you say you first saw Lana when you saw her?" In the office, and he's like, she's like over there by the radiator, but I don't know what that has to do with anything. And then he X-rays the radiator and sees a secret, <laughs> sees so a bad. secret shelf. So I, if you asked me where I first saw someone in a room like a year ago, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. And also, I wouldn't ask you that because I wouldn't assume that meant that person was hiding something right before you saw them. You know, why couldn't he just scan the freaking room? Like, like into the apartment earlier. Exactly. That would have been a totally appropriate time to do that. Yeah, the, I just, the wall by a window? Look in that. Fine. But not the yeah, nightstand. Of, not the nightstand. X-ray <laughs> exactly. etiquette, Clark. Come on. You've been doing this for a while. You should know better. Uh, but he opens up this safe, and it's got this hard drive in it. And Chloe's like, well, I guess she didn't want me looking at all her microbytes, which is... Oh, she d- I didn't, she, she didn't want to share this on my gigabytes. Oh, yeah. God. So oof. bad. <laughs> Real bad. <laughs> so so she plugs in this this hard drive, and uh, Clark's like, who's this guy? I'm like, it's Dr. Troll. Haven't you watched Smuggle Season 6, Clark? It's Dr. <laughs> Troll. Obviously, I don't think he ever interacted with him. It's fine. It's just kind of funny. And Chloe's like, oh, yeah, he's been with Luther Corp since the first meteor shower. It's like, okay. Y'all, we, we saw him a couple years ago. You don't need to, like, extend the continuity. Like, that's something they say for a character <laughs> you've never seen before. Like, to justify right. their existence. But it's like, no, he just said, oh, yeah, he's been working with Lex since Project Ares in 2005. Or, sure, yeah. great, for, Or he's been working with Luther Corp for years. <laughs> and we know Keep that. Keep it vague. Yeah, don't, yeah. Don't, don't try to back time it where he's been here longer. We don't need that. Anyway, but apparently Lana recorded her Zoom calls with Dr. Grohl, and they pull it up on the screen, <laughs> and they're watching this perfectly lit. I feel like it's interesting. I feel like because you know video calls have become more common place people understand them more and they're more like everyday stuff so they don't as glamorous because like i think like films and tv shows today they would just do what we're doing like okay we'll record this on a normal thing without three-point lighting and there it is and people understand like it's a facetime call but back in like the 90s and 2000s it was always like this perfectly lit (laughs) you know what i'm talking about (laughs) yes studio full hair and makeup yes (laughs) like this is a zoom call man you don't need to do this but but it's interesting transition this time we kind of push in to the screen and see the flashback? What did you think of that? At least it was different. I liked it. I thought it was good. I thought almost all of the transitions worked well. And that was like a note that I had because I do have so many nitpicks on this episode and specifically Max direction. I wanted to make a note of like, I do like this one part. Yes. You know? <laughs> the, the visual flourish of the flashback transitions is very well done. I always appreciate yes. it. Yes. So yeah, this is her, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago, when I'm not sure exactly what the timetable is, but she's talking to Dr. Grohl, and, and uh, he's like, well, I don't know what you're talking about, Miss Luther. She's like, it's Miss Lang, and that will never change. Like, <laughs> it did, though. It did. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's strange. Like, just say it's Miss Lang. What do you mean that will never change? Of course, you're not going to be Miss Luther again, but I don't know. You, you want to be Miss Clark Kent, apparently. Maybe that <laughs> might change. Just a strange thing to add on there, but- she she really sells him on like, hey, you know, Lex Luthor, you really want a madman like Lex Luthor to have this technology? Like he, you know, he's he'll be a god among men and he's gonna you know corrupt its power. But not me. I'm I'm fine. I, that's, 
<laughs> the person that says give me the power is the last person you want to give the power to. Right? Exactly. And that, I mean, we've already talked about it, but that line, like, do you want your legacy to be, you know, like empowering a, you know, a monster like Lex Luthor? Or do you want to be known for improving the condition across the, <laughs> the human condition across the world? The level of ego there is such a red flag, like immediate red flag. Also, as as we discussed, Dr. Girl should know better. He has seen Lana do some real messed up he stuff. He my family <laughs> already. Uh, you know what? Maybe, that's the thing, right? Just have her do that again. As shady as it is, like yeah. at least he would respond to that. Exactly. And I mean, I think honestly, the, the very clear move is just destroy the suit. Like if she's just selling on like, absolutely, we cannot Lex Luthor get his hands on the suit. Yeah, man, we'll all buy into that. And I understand that like there are plot reasons coming up that they wanted Lana to have the suit. But it, to me, the fact that that's what Tess wanted, she wanted to destroy it. She was willing to to kill Lana, even though she's like grateful to her for, you know, for exposing Lex. Uh, we'll get to that amazing best line delivery of the episode here in a minute. That being her motivation to just like remove the possibility of the suit of anyone being able to use the suit. That is the clear answer. Well, I don't understand how any of us is supposed to believe that Lana is evolved enough to be the correct person to wield all this power that we know is dangerous. Because she held her breath under the water for a while and burned her arms. She understands what it takes. She she was at Carter Beaufry's School of Pain Management dropout. <laughs> that is not enough for me. Well, she got she got the uh, the necklace of uh, graduation though. <laughs> <laughs> because he has a crush on her. That doesn't count. <laughs> oh. oh man, but yeah, no, she convinces Doctor Girl like, hey, he's like, well, there's a whole staff. They they would never agree to it. She's like, well, I'll just lie to him. Tell him that. Lex wanted me to be the guinea pig. Is it that hard to believe? And I'm like, okay, that actually tracks. I liked that. That was actually really, really good. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, there's a lot of girls been around Mr. Luther's life for years now. That makes sense that you, you know. Um, he's cloning her. He's putting fake babies <laughs> in her. He's doing all sorts of oh messed up God. scientific stuff to her. So yeah, I could see that happening. That's that's so true. Uh, it's very fortunate that she gives him the address of the lab. Well, I got a secret lab under 94th street or whatever. Then that's how Clark knows to be there to save, well, to, to see Lana save the day at the end, I should say. Yes. I, I know. I'm like talking about addresses and zoom calls. Come on, Lana. But <laughs> we cut to that lab and test bus in thinking that Lex is there, right? Thinking that Lex is here about to get his, you know, his life back. Uh, surprised to see Lana in the chamber uh, Dr. Gold's like, oh, it was Mr. Luther's idea. Because like, he doesn't know where Tess is and all this stuff. Hey, he's, I mean, and he was in in, uh, he was in Instinct earlier this season. Uh, so, so like, there's a connection here between Tess and him. So they didn't just bring him back out of nowhere. So, again, credit to them for sprinkling him through the season. She tells uh, Dr. Gold, we've got to destroy Prometheus. And he's like, you can't without killing the host. She's like, well, Lana Lang was born to be a martyr. Oh, so good. I love that line. Her delivery, like the line itself is kind of silly, but her delivery is so righteous. It's just, and I mean, I feel like Tess has gotten to know Lana well enough to know. It's like, you can't trust this girl with this suit. Like she's already everything pulled he's... some, some mad shady stuff. Like, everything uh, Lex I... told me was true. She's a dangerous society. I have to, if there's a 1% chance she might be our <laughs> enemy, we have to destroy her. Exactly. She's in like a final stage of the process or something like that. And uh, he's like, no, you, know, you can't. You're going to mess it all up, right? But then like they start fighting with his gun and it shoots the controls and then I guess releases Lana from whatever stasis she was in, the healing. And and then she's about to kill Dr. Grohl. And I guess to kind of make sure there's no... Oh, yeah, uh, Tess. Yes, Tess is. To make sure like this research doesn't continue, I guess, is the idea. 
Um, so it's the the Black Panther Wakanda Forever logic. Let's kill the one scientist, and the, this this research <laughs> will never come back ever. Then Lana jumps out of the glass and has a, a phoenix behind her, but we can't we can't reference phoenix. <laughs> a firebird. Firebird, sure. <laughs> it's like the the dollar store phoenix toy. Firebird. <laughs> And I guess it's because there's flames behind her. It looks this way. It, it almost looks like it's part of her power. She is becoming Jean Grey, it seems, like, behind <laughs> her. And it's like, you know, I guess it's supposed to be like a, a visual, like a rebirth, right, of Lana as she comes through the glass and stops the bullet. Oh, by the way, Clark is showing up as this is happening. So he sees what's going on. And there's that's also a little confusing visually because we see Clark and Clark time and Lana and Firebird time. And so there's just like a lot happening visually in the scene and it doesn't all necessarily mesh. She she does what Clark would do in that situation. She stops the bullet, she pushes Tess, and then she they, they do the whole like n- nod and smile at each other at super speed. And then instead of, I don't know, talking, staying, going off together, <laughs> she she runs off to to never to be found. For a few <laughs> scenes. Strange. She wants to get herself a cute little sheath dress and fix her hair so she can make it have a dramatic scene on the roof with Clark first. <laughs> but hey, that's a that's a series wrap for Dr. Grohl. It's a series wrap uh, for the actor Bill Mondi. Uh, he had been in five episodes, four of which is Dr. Grohl, one of which in Nicodemus. He's the guy at the beginning of Nicodemus who steals the flower. Oh my God, from the yes. Car crash. I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, exactly like we're talking about, recasting characters. But doing having enough time in between that even like those of us who watch it a lot don't necessarily remember the way yeah. we will with Carter Pelfrey. That's five seasons apart. It's five, and yeah. also he he was like a crazed guy in a pick in a truck or whatever he was in for like thirty seconds. Yeah, didn't have glasses. Like this guy's a very reserved, quiet. So I'm an academic guy. Like okay, that's how you do it. Anyway, just wanted to point that out because it really is everything we're talking about here really is all connected. It's funny. <laughs> So th- there is uh, one deleted scene of this episode, and I believe this is where it would have taken place. It was Clark and Chloe at the Talon apartment. I would say Chloe's or Lana's. I don't know whose apartment it is anymore, but they're at the Talon Lois apartment. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> right. And uh, oh, yeah, I got off the phone with Grohl, and Clark's like, she could be anywhere right now with her speed. And um, it was kind of a redundant scene. I, I understand why they cut it. Did you, did you, you watch the scene? Yeah, I watched it. Uh, it was fine. Also, it, it did make me, it did call in a question that I realized I don't understand why Lana's apartment was trash then. Do they ever explain that? Because when they're in the apartment, it's still trash for this deleted scene. <laughs> they, and, and that's what that, that's what brought it to mind. I was like, has no one has no one cleaned the apartment yet? And then also, who trashed it? Right, because because the, the whole reveal is like, Lana wasn't kidnapped. She volunteered for this. Procedure. Yeah. I guess Reagan did looking for Prometheus information. Um, okay, all right. But you're right, that, that could have been a little... <laughs> Didn't look he everywhere, looked everywhere, but the, drawer. but the bedside table. Even Reagan appreciates the sanctity of the bedside table. Absolutely, <laughs> fantastic. Cut the commercial. We come back outside of the lead scene, of course. And Tess is at Luther Mansion, walking down the hallway. She's like, "We gotta find Lana before she finds me." She thinks, she thinks Lana's gonna kill her, right? Because she was about to. Come <laughs> Understandably. On. Yeah. And uh, Lana's just at that Luther fireplace and burning Prometheus files, and she's like, "Don't be afraid of me, Tess. I'm here as your friend." That's something a villain would say, by the way. Mm-hmm. Break into your home, burning your files. <laughs> oh, man. So what did you make of this this last scene between Lana and Tess here? I don't think it works. I'm not sure what it's trying to do. I mean, I, I think it's, it's you know, I 
there are scenes earlier in the season between Lana and Tess that makes me like both characters more. Like I feel like they, um, you know, they have some really interesting moments together. I'd say with Tess and Chloe, I always enjoy their interactions. I feel like there's, you know, dynamics here that I wish season eight had leaned more into instead of everyone bouncing off of Clark, you know. Uh, But this one just did nothing for me (laughs) at all, really. You mentioned character interactions. Lana and Chloe, their only scene so far together really has been that flashback since she came That's back. That's interesting, right? Right, because like in, in Bride, it was like a group thing. And then let's not forget, uh, Chloe had her mind erased by then too, so that she's not really kind of <laughs> not herself then. And then of course, in Legion, they don't interact. And then in Bulletproof, they don't interact. She's just in that one scene. Well, and, and you know, story-wise it works because Chloe's off to go see Jimmy, but also as is Smallville tradition and TV tradition, she was directing this episode, so she was barely in the previous episode. That's kind of how it works. Um, I don't remember if they have any scenes in Requiem, <laughs> but it's like, are you telling me Lana and Chloe, like these quote unquote sisters, right? Your co-leads of the show friends. for seven years. There no scenes. What is with them? Well, they always do this when, when, when like even in, even when there are scenes, they delete them like in, like in season yeah. three and four, right? Chloe back from the dead. There's a whole scene where she reunites with Lana deleted. Oh, we, we actually, I'm pretty sure talked about this at the last time I was on here because that is like one of the most upsetting deleted scenes for me. I'm like, can we not see her rejoice that her best friend is back? Like this show is such a bummer half the time. Like we don't get to see the like joyful reu- like reunion. And also they do it with Chloe and Lois. Like their incredibly close, important relationship back just evolves. Yeah, back from the dead. That, that's probably why we talked about it in Missouri. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. yeah, actually, I think that is why. Yeah. And and we just throughout the season, they become less and less close. And in these last few seasons, there's hardly anything with them. I mean, like you say, she doesn't seem to care at all that Clark's like bailing on her cousin. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. It's character consistency here. But it's, you know, you just mentioning like kind of like leaning into certain things and these character interactions reminded me like, yeah, I would like to see where what Chloe and Lana think about their current situations yes. and all their experiences together, especially with Clark. That would, uh, yeah, her, I mean, we see Lana find out that Chloe's engaged to Jimmy. We don't see Lana talk. And even, I love actually that scene in, uh, uh, oh my gosh, uh, the one right after Bride. Legion. Legion, obviously, yeah. Um, where Chloe, like, it, I mean, Lana is so upset to Clark and she's like, Chloe's been through so much and she couldn't even, like, get through her wedding day without this happening. That was, like, a really beautiful, uh, like, sentiment. I would have loved to see that shared with Allison Mack, like, with Chloe. Like, these t- the women just stop talking to each other in these later seasons and it sucks because that's such a strong part of the early part of the show. Yeah, and, you know, we'll get to it on the tally board, but I, I don't think this one passes the Bechtel test because everything is about Lex <laughs> or Clark. Literally every other... Yeah. Sentence yeah. about or, these characters. Or right? Dr. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Girl, right? Milana, you know, she she warns Tess about revenge. She was like, you know what? Let this let this go. I was I was like you once, full of revenge and a lust for power, but I'm better now. <laughs> so, <laughs> sure. And I'm actually gonna do some good in the world. Which again, I, I resent the implication that unless you have superpowers, you you can do no good in the world. Like like yep. the whole point the whole point of you like starting the you know we joke about the name the ISIS foundation you're going to do some good in the world you're going to help some people some me- some media infected people like and like that's good like there are there are other ways to be a hero not all heroes wear capes i guess is my point and this episode seems exactly. really to lean heavily on well if i don't have superpowers then what good am i right then how could i possibly and how I was that empowering great- that's the opposite message Exactly. And I think it's a great thing they do with Chloe's character later is it shows all of the ways that she can be like of use to the world without being Clark's sidekick and also without giving her superpowers, you know. And this is where Lana mentions like you got rid of 
the microchip. So I think this is them like, okay, we're not doing that necklace with Cassie Freeman anymore. <laughs> so that, that's mentioned. So so this is this is her le- supposedly leaving a test with with words of wisdom to to turn over a new leaf. By the way, you just murdered someone cold blood in your office. Maybe we should talk about that. I don't know, but that, that that's where we are. But no, I it's so interesting as we talk about this. I'm like, yeah, this reaffirms that. Like, no, through this episode, Lana is not good, and Tess is good. Not too black, not black and white, right? But like, they're definitely on different trajectories. I think Tess is all about the end, justify the means, but her ends are actually noble, and Lana's ends are all about Lana. Yeah. Well, oh, oh, that is one little little part there where she tells Lana, Lana, believe me, I, I didn't know you were in that chamber. She's like, yes, you did, <laughs> but it's fine. I have super hearing. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I, she was like literally, I would have said the same thing about her test. I'm like, could she, did she know I tried to kill her? I'm going to try to act like she didn't. We'll just see how it goes. But anyway, I think this is Lana and Tess's last scene of the show, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yep. And Tess takes these words of wisdom for the rest of her time on the show. Thank you, Lana. Leaving a laugh to sting impression. But then we cut to Clark of the Daily Planet. Man, nice to see him in a shirt and tie again. <laughs> no blue shirt, red jacket this time. Only red shirt, blue jacket. Only the Bizarro outfit <laughs> this, this, this week. But he's there, and he's... What is, I, I find this very funny. He, he, I'll post a screenshot of it, too. He's, he's searching the missing persons on Metropolis PD for Lana Lang. It's like, no results found. I'm like, dude... <laughs> what but it's just to show it's supposed to show how kind of dejected and aimless he is now that he he, he had Lana back in his life and now she's gone and and actually deleting that that deleted scene actually would have helped like understand where they were now because like, we can't find her because now it's just like okay she ran off and they haven't talked oh I don't like it, there's no context for him looking for her at all at this point so I guess that's why that scene existed but still it, it was superfluous and then who is this Grant Gabriel stunt double walking in like, hey, Kit, what are you doing here? So really, like this <laughs> random guy I've never seen before, I never see again, some day player. And it's just like to establish that he's like there really early, apparently. Like, yeah, I don't think you needed anyone to come talk to him. It was just so no. funny because they never talked to anyone but Lois, Clark, Jimmy, and occasionally uh, what uh, Jeff is the intern, I think. Jeff, is his name. I love Jeff. Yeah, that's it. We don't talk to anyone else here. But Clark, you just meet me on the roof, right? With the super hearing. It's Lana up there. She's up there on the roof of the Daily Planet. And Clark, again, Clark thinking straight here. He's like, hey, you had powers before. You know, we had them before. They didn't end well. Let's talk about this. And she's like, no, I trust Lex's science. Trust the science. Trust Lex's loser science of this superhero suit. So that's yeah, a, this is, is where we are. That's what this whole conversation is. <laughs> which is an amazing thing to say after all of the different things that have gone wrong with Lex's science over the years. But also, it's like, it's not actually Lex's science that Clark is concerned about here. It's your own, like, motivations. Yes. <laughs> he yes. he didn't say anything about the suit. He said, the last time you had powers, you didn't handle it well. And she's like, oh, but the science is, is sound now. And it's like, the science was never the problem. <laughs> I can't even with this scene, honestly. Like, well, first of all, we have Empty yeah. Road by Natalie Walker behind the behind the uh, <laughs> the scene, which is, you know, Smalla hadn't really do, been doing this as much as it has gone on. But it's, of course, if you have a Clark Alana scene, you got to have your... Got to right. have your pop music behind there, which is which is fine, fine song, but I can't even with this scene because this is giving Clark Kent and Lana Lang an iconic relationship moment on the roof of the Daily Planet. I'm like, how dare you stand where she stood? This <laughs> this is a Lois Lane thing, yes. not a Lana Lang thing. I feel like this is like it, it, like for, for the people that like were like, I hope they change it where Clark ends up with Lana, right? Like this is how they would probably want the series. To, this would have been the last shot of the series for them. 
You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, this is the ultimate goal we've been working toward for eight years and we've made it. And I feel like that's how it's presented. And I just, I, I disagree on a fundamental level with, with just the entire conclusion that these characters come to about their lives here. I completely agree with you. It also just feels incorrect. It does not feel correct to see this very first half of, of Smallville relationship in this very second half of Smallville location. It just doesn't feel right. And then, you know, there's a reiteration of everything that's driven us crazy about the way Lana talks about the suit here again, where she's like, we can be equals, we can be together. And it's like, that's, again, not the only reason that you two weren't together wasn't that you weren't as physically strong as he was. There were a lot of sort of codependent and toxicity problems with your relationship that had nothing to do with the fact that he has powers and you don't. The fact that you think that having powers will fix all of those problems is the actual problem. (laughs) That that just shows you how far off you are. Uh, Man, it is... That, that that's a perfect way to put it a, a first half smallville scene in a second half smallville <laughs> location it's great she's like we have powers now we can go save the world now that i mentioned it earlier there is one part that, that made me laugh uh it was the epitome of the no worries if not <laughs> text that you sent because <laughs> she's like we could we could save the world we can do all these things we can be together it'd be fantastic and then he just kind of look at her and she's like well, I mean, if, if you if you want to, I mean, if you don't, like, <laughs> that's so funny. I think we've all been there, either in person or in text. You always like. I think one of the funniest uh, cartoons I saw about this was online, and it's like Gotham City is the back signal, and it's up in the sky, and then next to it is another spotlight that says, "No worries if not." <laughs> that's, that's what this made me think of. She's like, she just poured her heart and and plans out to him, and he's not reacting, so she has to be like, "But if you don't want to, that's cool." I think, and this is, I mean, this is completely in my head, um, but I feel like Tom Welling brought his own agenda that he wasn't going to let <laughs> Allison Mack talk about of this ep- this entire episode because he never, even in the scene, and as I say in the featurette, they actually have like behind the scenes footage of her watching the dailies of the scene, weeping like, emo- like, oh, it's so beautiful. Like it's, And she keeps talking about, I just thought the scene was so, and she said, I feel like it mirrors my own journey as I step into um like the director's chair and and mm. I I you know yeah which is again it's, it's all it, it's all colored a little differently in 2023 right. knowing well, you I, ha- I have not rewatched no thank you for doing your homework on this I did not rewatch that feature <laughs> thank you it definitely affected the way I feel about this episode but I don't think that Tom Welling ever brings any of that wow this is wonderful I'm an empowering I'm so glad energy to to his performance ever even in this last scene even when they kiss even when she says no worries if not and he's like oh no 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 I I do I do it's all very like you know downplayed nervous a little bit of anxiety behind his eyes the entire time and I I love that it's like to me the saving grace of the episode because otherwise it would be like such a just one-off weird journey that doesn't fit in with the rest of the season or with his relationship with Lois. And I feel like he has, he has a reluctance that kind of makes it fit into the rest of the the season. Yeah. And what really pushes over the edge for me is just the, the pan out of like the daily planet and them. And like, it's it's like, y'all like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, like, okay. How dare you? (laughs) Exactly. 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 Like it's, it's, it's crazy. They thought this was like, fly no pun intended but it's like look if they're gonna kiss fine like i wouldn't it would have been in the back of my mind oh they're on the roof of the daily planet that's kind of weird but like the fact that they literally make a point of like the the the, the blocking the framing the iconography yeah. of all that that is a how many comic book covers have you seen of superman and lois embracing on the roof of the daily planet like that and you just supplanted 
her with Lana Lang, and it's like, yikes, y'all. Like we were, we had come so far. And, I know. And then the the one two punch of this, and then the end of the next episode, it just really oh. derails season eight. And then you get back to it when you come back with this this Davis Jimmy Chloe triangle for the rest. I'm like, oh no! So this I'm starting to see now where things kind of went off the rails here. So. Absolutely, and I have to say, as much as I complained about this episode, I'm so grateful you didn't bring me back for Requiem and the like 20 minute goodbye. Cause, like <laughs> I couldn't, I could not do it. <laughs> no, all these, you know, honestly, the you couldn't have left it just at Bride. But if they'd had a, a slightly longer, more mature conversation about what the relationship was, and then wrapped it up in Legion. And maybe, you know, maybe she goes off with the Legion in the future or something. You know, just get her out of the way. I would like, have loved that. I would have a- actually loved that. Because, I mean, and again, what they do with Chloe in season 10, where it's like, they just hint at she's going to do something cool. And you believe it. And it's fine. And instead, they have to really spell it out to us because they're like so obsessed with this character. They're like, no, 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 no. She's literally a superhero now. And also, you know, the only reason she's not with Clark is, you know, I don't want to spoil next season but or next episode, but like... Oh, they I, I spoiled cannot. <laughs> yeah, they literally <laughs> physically cannot be together. That's going to be the only thing that puts them together. Yeah. Not because they've outgrown a relationship. They've grown up. They realize mm-hmm. that it's not the like emotionally best move for them. No, yeah. they have to be physically kept apart to not be together. That takes away such agency from their breakup. It's a oh, it's such a it's bummer. Like, well, I uh, I guess I better marry Lois now. <laughs> Because right? I'm not I'm not allergic to her body, so I guess I'll marry her. <laughs> the Superman legend begins in a place called Smallville. You ever feel like your life was supposed to be something different? Secrets. I don't want any record that I was here. Loyalty. I never bet against Clark Kent. Betrayal. What do you want? The world, Mrs. Kent. Destiny. Maybe it's time I stop running from who I really am. Clark Kent, will you marry me? Now you can own every action-packed episode. Doomsday is coming. Plus never-before-seen bonus features. Smallville, old season eight on Blu-ray and DVD. Power got a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb, and Neil Bailey from Superman Homepage gave it a 1 out of 5. Team Neil. He also said uh, he, he would have given it a negative five out of five, but since that's impossible, <laughs> one of five. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm i curious, Meredith, on the letter grade scale, what would you give this episode? I'm going to give it a D. Um, it does not completely fail. Uh, it does some interesting things. I actually like all the Carter Beaufry stuff. Um, and like I say, I think Tom Welling... Uh, whether intentionally or not, or if he just like could not help but hide his actual reluctance to this plot line, save save the the day for me, appropriately. I'm gonna give it a D as well. I was kind of circling. I really didn't know what to give it right before we. That's I, I'm, I'm that's why I was curious <laughs> what you were gonna give it because I was just circling. I was circling it like what is this like a C minus, a D plus, a D. But just talking through it, not only just that end scene is just such a a landmine and all the progress they had been making here in season eight. But then all of like, just the message of the episode is, is I, I would say problematic, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> and the execution of it all. And I just, I just, I disagree with the themes. I disagree with just, just so much of what this is. It's not a total fail. There's some, as, as with all episodes of this model, there's always something here, right? But I, I think a D is a, is a fair grade. So, so a D for you, a D for me. Let's get to the tally board. Not a lot this week. Uh, episode title seven, episode plus one. They say power a lot because Lana, Lana wants power. 
that brings us to 67. So we're not going to do the movie plot as an episode for <laughs> The Legend of Chung Lee. I'll leave it up to you as the guest. <laughs> I've never seen it. I can't speak to it. But I've always made Zach, fun of this gotta. episode for being that. <laughs> okay. I do think it's actually a really funny movie. I mean, not entirely intentionally, but there is some intentional humor there. Not really with any of the Chun-Li stuff, but... Um, Chris Klein as Charlie Nash is, I think, one of the great satirical performances of the early 2000s. <laughs> okay. So funny. He does this sort of like noir, like, uh, you know, grizzled detective kind of thing. But it's it's just like Chris Klein. Right. <laughs> like American Pie, like that Chris Klein's um, <laughs> doing it. And it's just, I, I honestly, I've watched that movie maybe three times, honestly, for his performance, because I just think it's so funny. And it's like, I don't know, it's like 88 minutes. It's a good little time. It's worth watching. All right. No, I'll, I'll put it on the list. And I, at some point, we will cover it on this podcast in that capacity as well. That'd, that'd be a lot of fun. So, <laughs> all right. So the, despite me seeing for years, this is the, the Rise of Lana episode or the Legend of Lana. We're not going to count it. So we only have one. We only have the one. We only have the episode title set episode by my calculation. Now, Bechtel test. Fail. Fail. Because it is just constant Lex this, Clark that, Dr. Gold this, as you said. <laughs> Definitely fails the spirit of the Bechdel test, so that's a fail there. All right, well, Meredith, this has been fantastic. Thanks for coming back on the show and, and talking about, as I said, I think one of the most infamous episodes of the show. I think people remember this episode. Oh, yeah, the one where like Lana was the superhero thing, and and, and, <laughs> and then, of course, following up with the next one. So, so the, a really good time talking about it with you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. When you uh, when you asked me to to come and talk about this one, I was like, oh, I will have stuff to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, I I could talk obviously at length on any Smallville episode because I love the show, but this one, I, I like, I come into it with a real point of view. So thank yes. you for having me. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. So if people want to find you and your work out there online, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Mayor Borders, and I, I link to you know all of my my writing. I um, also am the editor for Fangoria magazine, and you can follow or subscribe to Fangoria at Fangoria.com. Excellent. Well, you'll definitely be back on the show again. Always fun talking Smallville with you. And we'll be back next week talking about Requiem. Oh, talk about Infamous. The return of Lex. Infamous is the next one. <laughs> <laughs> It's so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? But yes, Lex Luthor returns. This is Mike Rosenbaum. Stay tuned for the next <laughs> Always Hold On to Smallville. Hold On to Smallville is part of the Always Hold On To network of podcasts and brought to you by listeners like you. Chris Fuchs, Cavante Chillis, Darren Kirscht, Joey Deanberg, JJ Hodges, DJ Dewena, Isaiah Goodridge, Forrest Yesness, Corey Moore, Nathan Rothatcher, Thomas Navin, Andrew Parker, Adam Sullins, Mark Idsfoppen, Patricia Carrillo, Michael Hartford, Jim Crawford, Alex Ramsey, Megan Rich, Rui Humphrey, Alex Hamilton, Matt Douglas, Nathan McKenzie, Jason Skipper, Steve Rogers, Atif Sheik, Molly Ficarella, John Curcio, Dylan D'Antonio, James Lee, Joe Michael, Jason Davis, Jacob Stevenart, Dana Bias, Crystal Dudgeon, Tate Tay, Nick Ryan Magdoza, Eddie Bissell, Jim Thomas, Nicholas Fansler, Clunk Kant, John Lloyd, Stephanie Ronsley, John Long, Jim Mason, Ruth Ann Cruz, Nicholas Coso, Jared Gibbs, Anthony Anderson, Jasmine McGilley, 
Keith Falls, Rob O'Connor, James Hart, Anthony Desiato, Crystal Cross, Jake C., and John Schweitzer. Thank you so much to all these patrons. And you can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash alwaysmallville with one S. Hope to see you there. Always Fall Into Smallville's theme music is by Lance Laster, and our podcast art is by Tom Gerke. You can follow us on Twitter at alwaysmallville with one S. You can find us on Facebook at Always Fall Into Smallville, and you can send us an email at alwaysmallville at gmail.com, once again, with one S. Thanks for listening.